it's going to become very clear what we're still believing as we access what's real and permanent about us. Right. What we have believed about ourselves is going to stand out in stark contrast, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yes. Um, and, and we don't necessarily have to go digging back into our past because even if we've had some trauma in the past or some, uh, we've all had things go on previously, right. it is still the same story and the same emotion that's playing right now yes. when I go to work today or, you know, so yes. questioning, is this really true? It actually goes right back through our history and, and begins to undo uh, all of these times we felt this emotion, how, it, how this, I'm not safe story plays out in my life may differ this year. It might be in my finances. I can't seem to get what I need right. to feel safe. Right. Last year, it might have been a relationship, but it's the same basic story yes. that's still yes. going on. Yeah. Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, change maker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and to usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh, you're going to love today's conversation. I mean, I love every conversation I have for the podcast, but honestly, this one in particular particular really left me feeling amazing. <laughs> and totally in flow. So in this episode, you're going to see and hear from my guest, wisdom teacher, Helen Hamilton. She is the real deal. I love, love, love Helen's insights about the mind and the suffering we create for ourselves as a result of the illusion of separation, separation of self, separation from others, separation between spiritual and daily life. So Helen shares candidly about her spiritual teachings, and they're informed by her own past struggles with depression and parenting. And you'll hear her talk about how she really refines her teaching based on how she navigated her daily life. And she's such a masterful teacher. She breaks down her wisdom into simple, bite-sized pieces that are really accessible and practical in daily life. And she's so grounded and thoughtful, calm and intuitive. And being in her energy for an hour was absolutely it just, it was a very moving episode. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. All right. Welcome everyone. I'm so excited today to be with Helen Hamilton. And as always, I'd love to just start and give Helen a a moment to share a little bit about herself to start our conversation. Hi, and thanks for having me on. Um, Exciting to be here. Um, I guess a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a spiritual teacher um, based in West Yorkshire in England and um kind of the whole drive behind what i do is to i've just always felt this call to kind of shake it up a bit and turn it on its head and um it really doesn't sit right with me inside that only a few beings are waking up there's so many beings that are uh wanting it to now you know authenticity and all of that and it's just like can we do this a different way can we do this a more methodical way can we turn it into more of a uh, a when rather than an if? So that's kind of what what drives me to um, after twenty five years of desperately seeking, trying to yes. find peace myself. It's uh, there's got to be an easier way. Yes, yes, and I love. I was sharing with you before we hit record that I love the way that you teach and the kind of different ways you approach it, and feel like. One of the core, I'm going to say this and you can tell me if this is right, but one of the core tenets of what you're trying to get us to see is that we are not a person or we are not, I don't know the language you would use, but there's something way beyond what we actually think we are. This is, am I doing this justice? Yeah, to see as soon as possible that you're not a separate being. You're not, there isn't an entity 
that's separate, that is you um, from everything else and everyone else, because that revolutionizes your experience when you begin to see that and experience it. Changes everything it did for me. Yeah. So, what do you, um, how would you, when people say to you, but I, I, I'm, I'm a person, I like, I'm a personality, I'm the label, I'm, I'm David Richards, and I have this life, and I have this, this, my children, and all these things that are important to me. How could you say that I'm not actually that? And there's something beyond that. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. It's not so much of that you're not that, you know, you're a father, you're all of those other things as well, husband and everything. But it's not that it's just that you're not only that, that that is the part that we may have noticed so far about ourselves. And then we can dive deeper into our essential nature that's before even that. And then that has the effect of being able to embrace our humanity and the roles that we play as a parent or um you know with family and our career and everything flows better than when we've got in touch with what we really are first and foremost right and one of the things that i really appreciate i was telling helen before we recorded that you know the teacher always shows up right when you're ready and i really appreciate your youtube videos and i did your six hour you call it an intensive Uh intensive right yeah so i did a six hour intensive and I really appreciate the energy that you bring because it's very grounded. And the moment I turned on the camera or the YouTube, I was like, okay, this is, this is what peace looks like. This is what peace feels like. And one of the things you've talked about before is the contextual field mm-hmm. and how we can recognize kind of the objects in the room or the context or the content. Well, I'll let you explain it. What is the contextual field? It's that part of our experience that is in the background usually that we tend to overlook. <clears throat> There's always, um, if you take the objects in the room that you're sitting in right now, your body being one of those objects, uh, your thoughts, there is some empty emptiness, some space. Uh, we've called it the contextual field, being the context, the space in which all the objects are appearing. And as human beings, we're trained to notice the objects and completely ignore Um, the field, the emptiness, the space as irrelevant or it's just space. But what if it's so much more than that? What if it's actually alive and intelligent in a way that we tend to put the intelligence into the objects? So it's my mind that's intelligent. It's my body that's got its own intelligence. But that is borrowed from the field. It's a result of the field, the contextual field. So the emptiness is the context and all the objects are the content, you know, the things that are showing up, coming and going uh, in the field. It's just a way, it's just another name. I try to use as many names as I can to, to yeah. get someone to recognize that there is something here that's permanent and stable mm-hmm. and unchanging that can't be perceived with our senses in the conventional way that we're taught to. Right. And so I also remember you did something where you had people zoom in and zoom out. And that was really helpful for me because I feel like there's an intellectual kind of understanding of there's something that you are that's not your human self or, you know, a bigger self with a capital S or however you want to call it. And it's, but it's, um, it's hard to understand that or you can't understand it. It's always here. So we ignore it. You know, it's just constantly, there's never been a time when that spaciousness has been absent. And even if all the objects in the room disappeared, it would still be here. And the room itself, the house was gone. When the body's gone, it'll still be here. But because it's constant and it's not shouting for our attention, we tend to overlook it Mm. and and, uh, undervalue its uh, significance, you know. Right. And what really helped me was when, you had us look at the object. Well, so this is the place that really clicked in for me is that I can look at an object and really focus on, you had to zoom in on the object and then zoom out, I believe. And I could, I could do that and I could feel the spaciousness around the object. Yeah. Right? It's just trying to overcome, with our mind, we're always working in duality, either or. Which is it? Is it the zooming in, the object that my eyes are looking at? Or 
Am I paying attention to the field? But my eyes can look at the image on the screen right now and I can be aware of the field around my body. And when you really get that, it takes the struggle out of the spiritual awakening because we're not trying to get rid of that there's this myth in human consciousness that certainly was there for me that I've got to get rid of all this somehow and only focus on what's permanent. And it's just not so. We need the coming and going of the objects to give us contrast to that which is here all the time. Okay. Okay, let's talk about that. That was that was <laughs> that clip that clicked a little. So it seems like a lot of spiritual teachers will talk about um the seeking mm-hmm. that you're almost trying to what do they say like um clear out or undo all the blocks so that you can get to the truth, right? Yeah. And I'm hearing you say that a little differently. Thanks. Yeah, it's, I found it's more valuable. It certainly was for me and people that I've been helping to get them to experience themselves, their permanent nature, whether we call it silence or the contextual field awareness, real self. Yeah. Um, and, and then as they get used to that, they, they come to see that that real self, the field isn't trying to get rid of anything because for me, major hurdle was, um, I'm not going to be me anymore when I wake up. I'm not going to be able to be a mom. I'm not going to be able to do the grocery shopping and all of that. And right. uh, I got used to the field, the silence, and realized it's it's always been here. It's not going to suddenly make my humanity disappear or change or all my fears that I won't be able to function were not so valid anymore, you know, actually function better, much better. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Okay. So this is kind of that, um, is this the fear of the ego or the mind in that if you really do become who you are, and like you said, it's always been there that you have to give something up. Is that the kind of general idea? Again, our ego, our mind works from duality. So it says either human being or real self. Mm. And it thinks, which one is it? And of course, both of those are present right now, right now you are the field. And you're also this human being. The field is showing up as you and all that that involves being a father, et cetera. So if you really start to experience the field, uh, it takes those fears away then. And we're not in resistance. We're not, I really, really want this awakening, but I don't do it just in case, you know? Right. Right. Because the fear is that the duality of the ego is that if you, well, at least the way I, the way my, this, this mind does, is like, if you go all in, on becoming awakened and enlightened mm. therefore you will it's the ego death or you will die and, yeah. and then the whole body got starts getting scared yeah and um it was like that for me until i realized the only thing the death that they're talking about teachers is the death of being able to see yourself only one way mm-hmm. you know to to only see myself as a separate being or to only see myself as the field. You can't really define yourself as either of those in the end, or you could say both of those, you know? So it it takes the fear away then, and it's a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the mind and thoughts, because when I was in your intensive, I wanted to ask this question, and then I can't remember what happened, but I didn't get to ask. So now I get to ask you. (laughs) But um, you, I know in some of the things I've watched that you talk about like an object or the mind or the thoughts are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. There's, there's gross tangible objects like this computer I'm using to do this. Um, and, and then there's subtle objects such as thoughts and emotions that are still perceivable. You know, I can see the objects in this room in my eyes and I can see the subtle objects inside of thoughts and emotions and my experience uh, with my awareness uh, they're, they're more subtle than the gross tangible objects that you can pick up with your hands, but they're still right. nonetheless coming and going. They fit the category of an object. They're not permanent. Right. Okay. So I feel like, um, you know, I, I lead a group with a friend of mine and it's called the inner Sangha, and we have a weekly group and we are trying to say, figure out, but what to do with the thought, what to do with the thoughts. So obviously you have all these thoughts coming and going and coming and going. And yeah. what do you do with them all? <laughs> well, the first and simplest way to be with the mind is to be the field. So what is the 
space in the room? What is that silence, that emptiness of being? What is it doing with mind? Is it doing anything at all? And the analogy that I found helpful was the, the sky isn't bothered about the clouds. It's just letting them come and go. It's not trying to manage them. Right. Of course, we all have certain thoughts where, where we just can't leave them alone. We seem to be magnetically drawn to those. Right. And that's where some contemplation usually helps some thoughts that we've really believed for a very long time. Right. You know, we can say in theory, okay, just bring your attention back to the self. But in practice, that doesn't seem to always be possible. So we, begin, right. we can question those thoughts then to start the process of anything we assume to be true, our attention will go to it because it's valued. This thought is valued, says mine, right. because it's true. Yeah. Right. Okay, so many of us have the kind of incessant thoughts like you were saying, and there's some thoughts like, oh, um, you know, I might be late today. Yeah. But then there's the ones that keep coming like, I'm a loser or whatever it may be, right? The really incessant ones that really hold us back from, from who, who we really are, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we all have those ones. You know, worthiness for me was a huge issue. Fear, safety, security. Anger, there's a lot of anger coming from thoughts that, you know, life isn't fair. Life is against right. me. You know, we all have these kind of things going on in the background or the foreground. Right, right. <laughs> So how do you teach, um, what should people do with the, like, so for example, I wake up this morning, this doesn't, doesn't happen to me this morning, but it does happen a lot of mornings. <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I'm kind of groggy and kind of, and then the barrage of negative thoughts come in. Mm -hmm. So what's the, what, what do I do in that moment when the barrage of negative thoughts are coming in? First and simplest thing is always to come back in meditation uh, to notice the silence, listen to the silence or to notice the field if you can. It's always yeah. the most direct because yeah. okay. you're no longer fueling the thought stream. They might still be going on for a while, but you're not, by paying attention to those thoughts, you are fueling the thought stream. You're sort of telling yes. mind, okay, yes. what you're saying to me is important. Of course, we don't like them, but uh, we're saying in a way, what you're saying is important. Please give me more. Of course, yes. we don't really want that. Yes. Um, yes. But if we can't seem to do that, we can begin to question the thoughts. Mind has its repetitive ideas that it kind of beats over and over again like a drum, doesn't it? You're not good enough. You know, you're never going right. to get this, whatever it's saying to you. And the antidote to believing, believing a thought is really where you just automatically pay attention. You don't seem to have in that moment any discernment, like, am I going to believe this? It just, it just happened before you recognize that. So contemplation we can ask actually is it true you know i'm a loser is that true actually <clears throat> because these thoughts are coming up because we haven't challenged them we haven't questioned them and an assumption that it's true it is undone by questioning i really i would like to see actually if that's so right. it's not just a mental exercise it's a kind of sitting with a question over a few days is that true for me now you know some my mind thinks is true obviously but i'm not just right. going to accept that and it, and it begins right. to give you some distance between the thoughts and yourself okay so um i'm curious what you think about this because some teachers will say like do the mantras and stuff like that and that's never something i've actually done but i'm just curious so i wake up the thoughts are coming there's the the same repetitive thoughts they're you know whatever incessant thoughts about money or worth or whatever and so what I'm hearing you say is the, it, the easiest, most direct path is to really go into meditative state or to, yeah. as you say, like the contextual field to just connect with that. that if right? you can, then yes, because if you're you no longer um, being a separate being, living as a separate being in that right. moment. You know, right. you just, you, you are that space in which thoughts are just coming and going and they won't affect you then the same way. They might still be there but they're not kind of right up in your face. They're just, they're just words talking, right. you know, it's a to right. totally different experience then. So you're not enmeshing you? with the thoughts. You're not, um, what does Eckhart say? Like Eckhart Tolle says, like feeding the pain body. You're not um, yeah. kind of giving them fuel. And mm -hmm. okay, so you try and go into presence, which for me, because I've now been meditating daily for several years, when I do wake up, I can kind of get into that state relatively quickly. Yeah. But depending on my, you know, how I'm doing in the human self, like sleep and 
whatever stress quote unquote might be in the mind at the moment, it's sometimes more difficult than others. So if I can't get to that place of presence naturally, organically, then you're saying you can start to question and investigate the thoughts. So if the thought comes in and says, um, you are not going to have a great day or something like that, or you're whatever, then it would question. Or if it says, you know, you're um, it's something about you're not worthy. Even I can't remember. I can't think of the thought right now because I don't have as much as I used to, but for the audience, let's say it says that it's that repetitive one that you always have that, that you go and the mind knows is going to really enmesh you into the belief that there's a separate, separate yeah. separation. Right. Um, and so it's questioning the thought. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can, <clears throat> um, instead of questioning individual thoughts, it's easier to look at the negative emotions that we feel. What, what's going on in mind is generated by the frequencies that we've got inside our body and the, which we call negative emotion. Right. So if I'm feeling fear, um, I'm going to have a lot of fearful thoughts. Um, we can attack it at the root by saying, what is the story behind fear? What is the uh, belief that I'm holding on to around fear? So if we could ask fear uh, if it was a person or if it had a mouth, what do you want to say to me? Mm. It would probably say something like I'm not safe or I'm in danger, a very primal instinctive feeling. And from that believed story, because as a separate being, we're not safe. You know, we're going to end at some point um, and we are very limited and there's all kinds of other things separate to me and other beings that I can't uh, guarantee my safety. So if we look at the emotion instead, and each emotion has a a core belief inside it. So anger would say something like, I can't get what I want. I'm blocked. Or it's not fair. Um, Shame would be saying something like, I I don't deserve to exist or to be happy or to wake up, whatever we're putting on the end of that. Mm -hmm. So we can question that core belief. And then the emotion and all the thoughts that's generated out of that emotion, which is 90% of the mind stuff will begin to evaporate as we stay with the question. It's much more direct way because the thoughts are more of a symptom of the core belief and the emotion rather than the other way around, you know? Okay. Right. So the core belief is I'm unworthy or I'm Uh whatever. Not good good enough or something like that. And then the thought comes from that belief. When, When I believe I'm not good enough. I've probably believed that for such a long time that we yes. don't even know consciously that we feel that we believe that it's not, we don't notice it running through our head, but we feel the effect of it in the body. So right. guilt and shame and unworthiness. Yes. Um, and then mind is trying to explain why we're not good enough and what we can mm-hmm. do about that. So it's talking, 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 right. um, trying to figure out how to solve that problem. But instead of trying to f- be more worthy, which we spent a long time doing, we can actually right. question if it's ever true we were unworthy in the first place. Right, right. Yeah. And having experienced the field, the silence, it becomes clear that's just not true. Right. Actually, there's nothing wrong right. in the field. Is there? There's no question of your right. worthiness there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really by going into the investigation, then you're you're able to see that it's false. That there's, yeah, there's, if, you, yeah. If, if you ask a question, is this true? Mm-hmm. You're going to get uh, different types of answer. So is it really true? I'm not good enough. The first thing that's going to happen is your mind's going to give you plenty of answers, positive oh, yeah. and negative, right? <laughs> yes. It's going to have lots to say. Of course it's yeah. true. Or, you know, No, it's not true. You're doing really well right now, and it will give you both sides of that coin. Yeah. Yes. And then as you stay with the question, we're drilling down deeper into our experience, we'll, we'll find the emotional answer then. There'll be kind of an emotion that right. we'll feel. Right. And the mind, when we get to the emotion, the mind stops talking about it so much and we can just feel the emotion. And then as we stay with the question, we're going to go into a much deeper answer, more experiential answer of just quietness, silence, back to the field again. Right. And in this way, we're kind of, uh, cutting off the thought stream. We're not generating more thoughts because if we ask mind to answer this question, it's going to keep giving us the same old stuff. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. yes. 
And I really love how you're so simple. <laughs> I know a lot of the non-dual teachers are just so simple and so direct. It's the best way. It's got to be simple so that we can do it in a push, you know, when we've, we've my mind's giving us or something happens and we have a, you know, moment of shame or some anger or something. Yeah. We've got to be able to remember what to do in that moment. Yeah. And I feel like um, through my journey, there's kind of been this, it's almost like I had to first go through this kind of like deconstruction process of the inner child and all these things that a lot of spiritual teachers teach that I kind of feel like I didn't have to do that. So I like what you said at the beginning where you said, it'd be nice to just kind of make that. I can't remember how you worded it. The way I heard it was like, I want to make this simple and I want to wake wake up as many beings as possible. Mm. And, um, and so, I mean, do you teach the whole kind of like, you know, go into your past and figure out your traumas and find that, or is it really just what you're saying here, which is those parts of your emotions that are in your body are going to come up as you go through the exercise of yeah. inquiry and, and such. It's going to become very clear what we're still believing as we access what's real and permanent about us. Right. What we have believed about ourselves is going to stand out in stark contrast, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yes. Um, and, and we don't necessarily have to go digging back into our past because even if we've had some trauma in the past or some, uh, we've all had things go on previously, right. it is still the same story and the same emotion that's playing right now yes. when I go to work today or, you know, so yes. questioning, is this really true? It actually goes right back through our history and, and begins to undo uh, all of these times we felt this emotion, how, it, how this I'm not safe story plays out in my life may differ this year. It might be in my finances. I can't seem to get what I need right. to feel safe. Right. Last year, it might have been a relationship, but it's the same basic story yes. that's still yes. going on. Yeah. Yes. No, that's, that makes so much sense. And um, it's almost like if you're going, like you were saying earlier, if you're going into the mind to figure out what's going on, you're going to get more of the mind, which yeah. is dualistic, correct? Yeah. A mind can't um, see the true nature of our being. It can only think about it through no fault of its own. So it can think, oh, yes, I'm really safe. Actually, I don't. But it doesn't have the same energetic impact as actually experiencing what we really are. So and again, there's nothing wrong with mind, but asking it to answer these questions it is not going to work as we experience. That's why in contemplation, we go deeper to the emotional answer and then the experiential answer of peace and um, to a place where the question is no longer relevant, it seems, yes. because we, we've just been, we've been only referencing the surface level of answers, which is what mind is telling us. And there's so much right. more underneath those. Right. I remember when I was in your intensive, it's beautiful, highly recommended really, really amazing, like six, seven hours. It was early here in California, but I, I was really excited about it. And my kids were actually out of town. So I was able to really- You got your coffee in your pajamas, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was beautiful, it was beautiful. And one of the questions was that um, a woman was feeling really calm, peaceful in your energy in the space of all the beautiful beings in the, in the intensive. And then she got a work email that really triggered her and upset her. Mm -hmm. And your answer was so beautiful because you said there's, if you go into the mind or I can't remember, again, I'm going to just paraphrase and you, you fix yeah. my language, but you basically said, if you're going into the mind for the problems, you're going to have, there, there's more problems. So find a way to not go into the mind and stay where you were with us and then go back to that email and then see how it all just kind of dissipates and the answer becomes really clear. If that was something to that effect, does that make sense? Yeah, because our mind, our mind really uh, believes uh, I feel how I feel because that of that email, right? Right. It then and it seems very very true. This thing out there has made me feel this way in here, and that's how we're taught to experience ourselves. Right. But actually, that email is happening because of this story I'm still believing um, inside, uh, as a reflection of it, as an effect, you know, rather than. So only going to mind to try to fix this is going to try to change the situation. 
Yes. And that helps temporarily, of course, you know, but right. no, it's going to pop back up somewhere else in our life, isn't yes. it? As I'm sure you've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've experienced, I don't know if you want to call it the flow state or really when I'm really devoted to being in presence, you know, like staying in meditation all day with the eyes open, like really yeah. being, I guess you would say connected to the field. Yeah. Then um, what I notice is that there really are no problems. and the problems just kind of seamlessly inflow. The perceived problems are actually just solved either on their own mm-hmm. or the solution to the, the perceived solution to the perceived problem just happens quickly. It's like, oh, just respond to these three words and the intuition yeah. just says. And it just is um, automatic. Yeah. 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 Because what really we're calling a problem is actually where our, our life is about to expand our manifestation um the way the field shows up is always in expansion it's always becoming more and how that starts off it it looks like there's a problem but as we as we just stay with the presence some solution appears that's better than it was before and as you start to really trust that you can kind of relax more um you know you're not running around your life trying to fix everything so much it's like okay let's just see what's going to happen here something's going to come out of this Yes. But what's been really critical for me, and I know what you are basically saying is to find a way to, like you said, if the thoughts come up in the morning, the first place to go is into um, presence, basically. Yeah. That's the first step. So it's finding a way to be in that deep presence as much as possible in your life. Is that correct? Yeah. And meditation, uh, being in presence, as we're calling it, um, it, it moves uh, it starts off as something we're doing. Okay, I'm going to sit right. for 20 minutes before I go to work. Yeah. And yeah. of course, that's great. We all start that way. But eventually, yeah. it becomes just a way of being. Right. You know, so my body's moving around, and, and where is my attention? You know, where's, where yes. am I noticing the field, the, the presence? Yes. And, yeah. And, and yeah. as you do that, it just gradually becomes easier and easier, more and more continuous. Yes. And then the habit just changes. Uh, we have this habit to pay attention to objects first. Right. Some point that flips on its head and you kind of, you can use the mind, you can reference objects, but it just automatically flips back to out of default. The default setting yes. has changed to, to the field. Right. You're almost trying to switch the default from the duality to the field. Yeah, because that wasn't our original setting. You know, we've had to really work hard at some point to pay attention to mind. And that's right. just become a habit, you know, and then we're just turning that back around again. So what you said, which I think is so amazingly incredible, and I want everyone in the world to hear it, which is why I wanted to reach out to you, is because when you start to practice this, and I love how you break it down with the zooming out, looking at the object, the different little um, approaches you have that are so simple, then the default starts to switch. And then the part that I think is so interesting and so important for people to hear is that you don't have to actually effort or do or seek. It literally just dissolves and yeah. dissipates. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Even if I have to ask a question, is this true? It's just, it's an effortless ask, asking, is this really true? I really would like to know. And that's my work done in this every now and again, just to remind myself the question. So you, we're not working hard. And this is again, the benefit of experiencing the field it's not stressing out over anything, is it? It's not right. pushing hard against mind or doing any of that. And um, just relaxing into that more. Uh, all of this phenomenal world is fine as it is. I mean, even my right. thoughts are fine as they are when I'm not interacting with them as a separate being. And right. um, I'm kind of cushioned from, I'm almost like bulletproof to the mind then. It can say whatever it likes doesn't affect me when I am the field. Yes. Yes. And then you were saying that with meditation, I know it's becoming really popular in the West and it's almost Mm -hmm. like a checklist now. (laughs) Well, it's something to tell people that you're cool. Like, um, I do meditation. I do meditation. I was in a car with a a bunch of colleagues and we were traveling for a conference or something a few years back. And I was using one of the apps back then and it kind of popped on in the car and I was actually kind of embarrassed, you know, because it was before I was very open about my spiritual journey. And so I was a little embarrassed and everyone's car's like, oh yeah, I meditate too. And it was really kind of like this, we're all so cool. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is that if 
you're not finding the field or not, it's not, can't be found. It's already here, but if you're not with yeah, that I know field, what you, mean, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you're not with that field, then meditation can almost become just something you're doing again from the world of the separate being. It's whatever you're ready for. You know, when I first started meditating, just being able to feel better for 20 minutes or half an hour was enough. Exactly. That, that was just like, I can't suffer for that 20 minutes. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, and, and then um, as I started to feel really, really good in my meditation um, and became more and more effortless, it's like, I want to feel like that all the time, actually. I don't yes. want to get up and go back into that other mindset, you know? Yes. Um, so it, it develops. It's absolutely fine. Like you said, to start with a mantra meditation or anything that you want to oh, do, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's all helpful, isn't it? And right. yeah, it's just what we're looking for out of meditation becomes more and more direct and simple. I think as we get to, yes. and rather than meditating on an object, like a mantra, we, we eventually come to meditate on the, the no thingness, the real right. self. Right. And as we go through that journey, so I know people will talk about like, oh, you know, you have to have your self-care routines and you have to have this and you have to have that. So how do you um, answer that? It's absolutely fine. You know, it's do what we need to do and it all fits in. And I think an authentic meditation practice and well, awakening uh, practice uh, should just fit around your life because then it's going to be sustainable. If I say, right, I'm going to, um, I'm not going to meditate from Monday to Friday while I'm at work. And then on the Saturday, I'm going to sit for six hours. You're not going to do that more than one weekend. Are you? It's just going right. to go south, you know? So, right. but you can commit to like 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day. Right. Even if that's 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in an evening, we can all find that time. Yeah. And you don't feel like you're sacrificing anything or missing out on anything. Right. And I really liked how you did in one of your YouTube videos, you had us keep our eyes open. Mm -hmm. And because I feel like you can get into this meditative state with your eyes closed or while you're sitting in your one place, you do 15 minutes a day, but to then to be able to connect with that. So I've, I've been devoted for the last two years to basically stay in meditation at every waking yeah. minute, because yeah. I see the, like you said, I see how the thoughts start to have less impact and there's dissolving. It just kind of naturally happens. And then you don't have the same experience either. Your experience just flows, doesn't it? When you're not kind of believing the thoughts. Yeah. 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 I was really good at meditation. I could sit still for six hours with my eyes closed and be in utter bliss for six hours. And then as soon as I get up and go about, you know, making dinner or whatever, angry, scared, you know, feeling unworthy. And it was all still right there. And I thought this, this can't be what I'm really looking for. It's not changing right. my life. You know, it's not right. something I'm being, it's something I'm doing and segmenting from the rest of my life. So what did the shift um, look like for you? So you're kind of been on this journey for a long time and you're um, getting good at meditating. You got the six hours, but then you open your eyes and you go to cook dinner and all of a sudden. <laughs> so did it just like, I heard some non-dual teachers say it just happens like that. And others say it just gradually happens. It started, it was gradual for me. It, it, I was just so desperate. I couldn't, I couldn't handle the, the highs and the lows and the extreme, like just a lot of bliss and peace. I'd just be sobbing and sobbing in my meditation with joy and beautiful. Everything's fine. And then, uh, and then uh, not enough money, you know, and all right. that straight back into all of that. I just could not live like that. There's such a strong desire. I don't want this. I don't even want the highs if, if I have to experience the lows. You know, I just right. couldn't do that anymore. So I just go, okay, this is how I'm feeling in my meditation is nice, but it's still an experience. It's not lasting. There right. must be something I'm missing here. What, what am I missing? And what is it that's not an experience? Although it can include these nice experiences, obviously. And it just developed gradually from there. Can I start to do it with my eyes open. Like you said, can I do it in yeah. the supermarket? Can I do it when yeah. I'm working? You know, can I do it when I'm driving or all these other places? Well, and I start to pick up right away when somebody does that. So like I said, the first time I turned on your YouTube video, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not somebody who's meditating 15 minutes a day. It's just, you can feel the energy of, um, it's almost like the neutrality 
or just the, like, I, I think, you know, the language is grounded neutrality, but it's really a connection to the field, isn't it? Just, you can feel it when someone else is really deeply experiencing that. Yeah. And, and you know, I've obviously talked about bliss and all of that joy, but how it started for me was uh, paying attention to the field just because I couldn't suffer there. That, that was enough uh, when it started. Okay. I was just so desperate to stop suffering right. um, that that was, it wasn't blissful at first. It wasn't, you know, when I really started to meditate in, in a more continuous way, as we've talked about, yeah. only uh, when I when I learned to be satisfied with what how it was noticing it right now, there was a peace. What it started as a, just a contentment and absence of suffering right. and deepened right. into peace. And then, you know, a lot of peace and then a sense of love began to emerge um, and then joy and bliss and all of that. But it didn't start like that. I think it's important to, to get that across because we often have these ideas. You see an awakened being and they're obviously in a lot of peace and, and bliss. And it's like, okay, that's not happening for me when I meditate. Right. <laughs> I'm not right, feeling right, right, that. Right. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was just kind of gradual over time. But you, but I like how you're sharing that you started by just trying to find, because at the end of the day, we all want peace. Like really yeah. we do. And yeah. it's, and, and I, a lot of people I talk to say that it became either the depression and a lot of the non-dual teachers I've started to kind of look up now, a lot of them went through a real deep, dark, like depression yeah, and they reached too. a point. Yeah, you did too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where they reached a point where they weren't really interested in all this other stuff and were able to, like you just said, and it sounds like just kind of start to find something that didn't make you depressed. Is that what happened with you or how did it play out? I was actually drinking a lot of, um, after my son was born, my third child, I was uh, drinking um, more and more and just kind of sinking into a deep hole. And um, I recognized that I was drinking to avoid the suffering because I felt better, but of course it didn't last. And then my friend actually gave me a meditation and said, try this. And the very first time I did it, I had a lot of bliss. And I thought, this is what I'm actually trying to achieve when I'm drinking. And this is a more direct right. way right. and cheaper <laughs> and yeah. less uh, yeah. you know, better for the body. Of course, yeah. the second time I didn't experience the bliss. I had to really learn to, you know, let go like we all do. But uh, I always count myself lucky that I found a more direct way. We're, we're all seeking that feeling inside, aren't we? Whichever way we right. go about it. Yes. Otherwise, it could have easily gone a different way. Right. But you know, your story is similar to, and that there's kind of a knowing that you were drinking and then you realize, oh, this is what I'm kind of substituting for the same feeling. And my friend and I, that I run the course with Stacy, we went to, uh, she actually has gone to a couple of your courses, your um, thoughts on, but we went to Denver to meet because she's in one part of the US, I'm in the other. And we wanted to go to this concert out in the mountains. And it turned out that it was a rave. So it was all these like young kids. <laughs> wow. But we were laughing because they were all clearly on some substances. And yeah. we were like, oh, we're having just as much fun as them. We're twice their age. Or we're having yeah. as much fun as them because <clears throat> there's not a need to cover it up or to try and find peace. Yeah. We, we are connected to peace. So we can just dance around and jump around and have fun with the 20 year olds. And, um, but it's so simple at the end of the day. Yeah. And that, that's, that was the same for me. I want to feel like that. And I want to feel like that all the time. That desire just grew. I want it to be effortless. I'll do whatever it takes to, to get to that point. And I'll question whatever thoughts I, it became clearer that the more thoughts I was questioning, the, the more peace I was feeling and the better and the more love and all of that. So it's a, that desire intensifies, doesn't it? Okay, I'll do whatever it right. takes. Eventually it's like, whatever it takes, I'll do that. It's not a yeah. sacrifice anymore. Then you start. Right. Off, oh, God, I've got to do my meditation. I don't really want right. to. I don't have time. You know, but it's been it's very different then, isn't it? In um, yeah. our motivation for doing it has changed. Right, and then you're able to kind of just follow it organically. And I love how you're saying as you're following that organically, then now you're opening your eyes in meditation, and now you're um, able to kind of be in the non-duality and be in the, like you said, the mind wants it to be this or that. So it's either I'm awake or I'm asleep, but now you're able to see both. Yeah. And they're not in opposition They're they're beautifully contrasting. You know, I get to be a mom and all of that stuff. 
that to play those roles and I can do that so much more effectively because I'm right. just also just quietly watching that go on and the body right. is amazingly efficient at doing everything it needs to do and I'm just right. watching instead of right. trying to drive my life like I used yeah. to so is it almost like um the human version of you is very similar but the way that you're observing the human version of you is different is that one way to see it yeah just just watching my body and mind um with love and compassion and uh, just all just a sense of awe and excitement and gratitude for the fact that um, I have this body even and that I can interact with other beings and um, what's it like to do that now from having seen what I've seen and I know what it's like to go through my life as a separate being what's it like now right. it's like like a different uh, it's a discovery and an exploration Right. rather than that frantic trying to get somewhere of our mind, you know, I've got to get to this moment in the future right. where I have what I need. It's just like, right. how is reality showing up right now? And, and it's, it's um, the sense of real gratitude and for uh, the gift that I've been given to be able to see myself clearly and experience life um, conscious of my source without any fear of the end of the human body right, you know, totally right. different experience because you've connected and you see clearly that there's an impermanent real self yeah th there's a permanent self in this i'm sorry body. i said impermanent permanent it's okay it's okay uh <laughs> you know the body is temporary yeah. uh but really all the bodies are mine i could say because i'm everywhere right. so you know, when, when one body goes, there's, it's coming, they're coming and going all the time. And there's no desperate grasping of one particular body going, this is mine. Right. There's also uh, an ability to enjoy the body and to really, uh, uh, there's a much more care and love for it rather than right. berating it and right. all of that. Right. So with your children, if they're, I don't know how old they are, but if they're young enough to still kind of have, some strong, big feelings. I guess it doesn't matter what age they are. They can still have strong big <laughs> yeah, feelings. That's life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so how did, how did you kind of approach it before and after now that you're observing and kind of seeing it? And, like, how do you respond differently? It's the same, but totally different. I mean, probably anybody watching wouldn't really notice any difference, but right. uh, the, the parenting is coming from... Um, authentic place without any unworthiness getting in the way yes there's a yes. response to a situation rather than uh constantly beating myself up in my head you know this has happened because i'm not a good enough parent right. or something you know uh just being able to go through uh everything from toddler tantrums to teenage stuff let's just leave yeah. the teenage stuff um <laughs> you know, that's just how they, they need to go through whatever experience they need to go through for their own path. Right. And um, they're going to really dive into their separateness and that's fine. Right. As we did, we had to figure out who we are as a separate being and all of that. And it's a discovery and a relationship turns from, whether it's with our children or, or anyone, it turns from, I need to get something from you. So if you like me, I'll feel better to just, right. um, a deepening of what can love look like as this relationship, whether it's mother and daughter or how can it blossom into the appearance of a relationship, appearance of two beings, you know, and it's uh, deepening every day in that way. We still have yeah. ups and downs like, like every parent and child, but oh yeah, there's yeah. no analysis afterwards. Like Right. Right. No, that, that I can feel that difference. It's really, it's about the, um, because if you're not engaging and feeding the fuel, fueling the mind, as you said, with all the kind of negative or the I'm not worthy or I'm a bad mother or the judgment. Yeah. And it just kind of life just happens, right? Yeah. And, you know, two beings are not always going to get along, but it doesn't have to be, it can literally be a difference of opinion. It doesn't have to end up in a fight or an argument. It can be, a, you know, oh, okay, you see things differently to what I do and that's okay. That can be celebrated. Right. So and it's and different because you're not looking for approval from anyone. You don't right. needing that kind of. Right. Um, it's okay to disagree with someone in that way. Right. And then, so do you still have negative thoughts that come through? 
every now and again um, to, to the, the more that we uh, focus on the field, it's actually very hard to hear your mind. You know, what, what starts off as right. somebody, like first our thoughts are right here in our face and they're really loud. Right. And eventually as the field, uh, as the recognition that that's what I really am sinks in, um, it, it's like that, that guy was standing right in your face. He's just whispering in the corner of the room instead, Got like it. a TV playing just really quietly. It, as you come to recognize what you really are, um, that you're not separate to anything, it actually begins to really hit home that there isn't anything else to think about. Like my mind right. is talking about the other beings it thinks are outside of me, separate to me. And as that really sort of hits home that there, there isn't any division, there will always seem to be, like you and I seem to be different. We, we right. sound different, we look different and all of that. But on the essential level of what we really are permanently, there's no difference, no separation. And uh, your presence and my presence, there's no dividing line there, like we imagine there to be. And uh, as that sinks in, it, it, the thought stream just slows down because there's less and less to think about, very, very literally. And it mind goes back into silence eventually when uh, it, it begins to realize this. The things I'm thinking about are not actually there in the way that I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times when I work with people and they really don't even like it when I say anything about the mind because there's a real attachment to especially the intellectual, like the really smart people. Yeah. Um, so how do you, how do you think about, how do you think about the mind? How do you, know, when, because people can get attached to this is, this mind has really gotten me this far. I'm so smart. It's, yeah. it's, you know, and so how do you, how do you talk about that? Well, it's true, isn't it? Mind has got you this far, you know, in your journey and it, mind is really good at comparing two things. That's yeah, what yeah. it does. It analyzes, whether it's what we want and what we don't want, whether it's uh, our real nature and our temporary nature, it's, it's constantly comparing uh, yes. worthy and unworthy, the sets of opposites. And it's really, really good at that. But if we can begin to recognize the limits of mind and intellect, that it cannot actually experience, uh, you know, I could, I could talk to you for an hour about what it's like to live in China mm-hmm. and I could buy you some Chinese food and all of that, but it, it's not actually the same as going to China. Mm-hmm. You realize mind is just talking about something and it cannot actually experience it. Then there's a healthy respect for mind. It's really good at some things, but it's not really that helpful for finding out what you really are through no fault of its own because right. it's, it's built in duality and it's built to compare two things. And in reality, there is only the one being, you know, so that, it's not that mind is wrong or we have to discard it. In fact, yeah. the highest use of mind is, is we can ask a question, what really am I? You know, what is my essential nature? What is reality? And those are right. really important questions that come from mind. Yes, yes. Well, and it's like what you were saying before, which is ironically, the mind will say you have to be either the real self or the mind. Yeah. And that's the either oneness, right? Uh, right. Is it is it peace or fear? Mind says, right. and, and the self is saying both. So just recognizing those uh, either or ways of thinking, where the mind gets limited. It's not wrong. It's just limited in its ability to perceive reality. And then we're not yeah. we're not pushing against it so hard. Then we can use it intelligently. Yeah. yeah. So I think I know what you're going to say to this one, but I just want to ask anyway. <laughs> so one of the Teachers I follow talks about doing the opposite. So the mind, and I think she teaches it in a progression, but first you notice the thoughts, then at some point you kind of say the opposite. So if it's like, you know, I'm not worthy, you would say I'm worthy. And then at some point you move to questioning the thoughts. But do you do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, that that's um <clears throat> it it didn't really ever work for me because um I, I tried to replace my I'm not good enough thoughts with I I am good enough but it felt like a lie when I was saying that it felt true that I'm not good enough and it felt like a lie uh, when I said I am good enough you know so I stand in front of the bathroom mirror and tell myself I was perfect (laughs) just as I am and lovable and there's this voice in the the back of my head going you're such a liar you know you're such a liar (laughs) 
So at some point that would be a helpful thing to do. But if we're ready to go beyond thoughts and experience, yeah. Uh, if we're just replacing one thought with another, we're going to keep going around the cycle of duality right. experience. So it's fine. Every every technique has a, a use at a certain point along our uh, pathway. Yeah. Eventually, um, coming out of the thought stream altogether is, is really all that's going to satisfy us. Where right. then I can say the same thing I said to myself in the bathroom, but it feels true then. It feels good. You can tell how much you believe something by how right. it makes you feel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love what you said about really um, finding the emotions because the emotions that are in your body are connected to whatever the thoughts are. Yeah. Like they're coming from there. That's why we have a body in the first place is to show us really what we're still believing and our experience will reflect it back to us if, if we're still not paying attention to the emotion. It will say, hey, look at this, you know. Um, and our body never lies in that way. It's given us real, real-time feedback. You can say, I am so awakened, and something inside goes, No, you're not. You know, you can, your body's like, that's right. not true. Yes. Or yes. whatever we're saying to ourselves, or someone else says to us, an external voice of someone else. Right. And then do you kind of so I'm really big on um, following intuition and as you're doing all the, as you're doing the practice of really connecting with the real self and not engaging with the thoughts and the duality and really, you know, seeing the field, does this just naturally the intuitive voice is clearer or, you know, how do you, how do you think about that? Just, just stunningly clear. And you might have two pathways in front of you. Should I do this one or this one? And the logical choice when you look at it just feels, just doesn't feel right. The, the, the frequency in the body lowers when you look at this choice yes. uh, and you feel out this other choice inside you, you know, and um, that's how I make a decision now, which one feels better. Even if it right. theoretically, logically looks like the right choice, it's always yes. coming from uh, what my body has given me also real time feedback on that too. Yes. Yes. So it's almost like you're, um, you're, you're so, you know how to trust the, the body. And because, you know, I know sometimes you will, we, we all know, right. And then the, the mind is what gets us to, then, you know, like, I know that I should go left right now yeah. and I'm going to run into my new husband, you know, whatever, you don't actually know <laughs> that, you know, you're supposed to go left, right. I'm just being funny. And, but instead you go right, because you're worried about something because the mind tells you, Oh, if you go left, you'll be late to that next appointment. And, and then you start to follow the mind rather than, the voice of intuition that's a, a choice as a separate being isn't it living in the normal human consciousness yes. we tend to override our intuition with what mind says but eventually you just can't do that anymore but yeah. it's just um it's not that it's physically painful or anything but it's just such it's like uh you'd have to really push a boulder uphill to go against that intuition right right and you know you get like to a feeling point where you just kind of know when you're pushing the boulder up yeah yeah, your body tells you immediately when you're being inauthentic with anything. Right. You can feel it, right? It feels contracted and the lower frequency and, yes. um, okay, something, I've gone off track here. You know, what, what am I listening to here? And you got, sort of get back on track. It comes yeah. very, very simple in the end. You just make choices based on how they feel. Uh, yeah. And it keeps getting better and better when you do that. Yes. Okay, let's talk about choice because I know that's kind of sometimes a controversial thing in the spiritual, with different spiritual teachers around like, is there really a choice? What's, what's your free will? And are you, are you um, come up on all that or come out on all that? Yes. And no, it's not one of those definitive. Yes. I have free will in that I can choose in any moment, whether to focus on the field, the presence or my thoughts. That's my only real choice. Okay. And as I, exercise my free will to um, pay attention to what's permanent about myself, the quality and the vibration of the thoughts will begin to increase. So I can't change my thoughts directly, but as I uh, stop paying attention so much to the, to the mind uh, and I'm bringing attention back to what's real, I'll have suddenly higher choices available. Yes. 
So I might be faced with two choices and neither of them seem appealing. And if I just bring my attention back to presence, uh, suddenly the thought might appear, just wait a minute, something else is going to come that's even better than what's on the table right now. I couldn't have had that thought because it's too high a frequency for my current uh, way of thinking in this area. But as I bring my attention back to what's real, I'm much more open then to be able to have an, a, a spontaneous thought, an original thought. Yes. And you know what those feel like, right? They just, oh, yeah, it's kind of yeah. an aha moment rather than the same old thinking feels the same old way. Mm. Wow. Well, you've blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would That's a good thing. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I always joke I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get out of my, come out of my mind, but but actually you're saying we shouldn't even make that joke because you can integrate and not try yeah, to mean, say you, this you're or that. A human being also, you are appearing as a human being with an intellect and uh, a mind. And that's not a mistake. It's, it's the right. way that the self can finally come to understand itself. And mm-hmm. it can't do that in any other species than a human being. Right. Uh, so th- there's a quite a stigma, I think, in some non-dual circles of uh like thinking is almost a, a dirty word or something right yeah yeah but it's it's as long as you're using mind for what is best at then you know that is uh it's not going to trouble you it's just right. we've been trying to use it to find happiness and peace and yes uh, it's not it doesn't work so well there right well i need really we actually probably could have had a five minute conversation, but I know this is the, the work that you do. It's like, this is saying the same thing in different ways, but I, but I know your simple teaching, which is find a way to know that you're the real self. Whichever <laughs> way, whichever way you find, whether we call it presence or field or silence or stillness, um, just find a way. And, and the most important thing I found was, what works for some spiritual teacher, you know, if you're following someone who says, okay, find the stillness, that might right. not be the right one for you, you know, exactly. experiment yeah. and find it. And um, once you've found a way in, you know, get to know it, experience it more and more uh, and everything will begin to change. Then it'll begin to have yeah. a, an effect on your mind and body. Well, I knew this was going to happen when I talked to you because it happens when I watch you on a video, but I literally was doing exactly what you teach, <laughs> which is like, I know you probably do all day every day, but I don't experience it as much. But throughout this whole conversation, I was in the field, I was zooming in, zooming out and kind of just, there was no thinking and, well, there's thinking, but you know what I'm saying? There wasn't the- Thought, Thoughts are just going on. But there's no, there's no argument between your human beingness, is there, no. and the field. And when you're in that place, yeah. the, the field is just, um, presence just is. And it's totally happy to let your body mind do whatever yes. it's doing. And, yes. it, and the body mind does it so well from there, doesn't it? It's, yes. It's, yeah. And there was no like questioning of like, oh, should I ask her this? Should I ask her that? Or, oh, what about this? And where's the script? It was just kind of like, okay, let's end. And there were a couple of times where I wanted to ask you something. And then the thought was, oh my gosh, what is it? You should write it down. And I'm like, I'm not going to write it down because it's just going to come back if it's supposed to come back. He does the best kind of conversation where it's alive, it's spontaneous, it's yes. um, it's just going wherever it needs to go, and we've pushed even in this conversation we've pushed the frontiers of human consciousness in a conversation like this in, in the spontaneity yeah. and the aliveness, and that's yeah. always a useful thing, you know, really. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that you were able, you and I were able to connect, and I will put in the notes your. What is the website? Just remind me. It's not your name. It's uh, HelenHamilton.org. Oh, it is your name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's easy. It's, it's simple. It works for me. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. So, and, and you have your, um, you want to tell people a little bit about your different programs? Yeah, we have the free uh, satsangs as you've, uh, we do usually, uh, it's a little different this month because we're on retreat, but usually okay. alternating Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, they're free and to anyone that's interested in awakening they're always uploaded to youtube if you can't attend live um okay. if you are uh really want to kind of dive in quicker recommend the dissolve an ego course which is four-week course uh based directly on my own experience of what actually made a difference in my awakening everything i wish yeah. i knew before i yes. started to wake up um yes 
and we have retreats and things like that so we're just starting really to do retreats again with after the in pandemic okay. we've been doing them online only so yeah yeah just come along and there's loads of free stuff on the website as well on youtube just dive yes. in there and have a look yeah and you have a book too right called dissolving ego is that right Yep. Uh, yeah, just talking about those different ways and we, we've called them doorways, different doorways into the self just by um, whatever name we're calling it really. Uh, we, we call it presence and field and all sorts tonight, haven't we, on this, yeah. today on this conversation? Yeah. Certain words, it's all the same thing, but certain words right. tend to help us um, access what's real and experience yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that the uh, listeners were able to get experience you and hopefully oh, thank you available. for having me on I uh, really enjoyed it and um, yeah it's been a lot of fun thank you so much wow i'm swimming with gratitude helen's generosity in sharing her wisdom with all of you her unassuming demeanor during our conversation was a backdrop to profound observations about connecting with the field of awareness to move beyond the struggles created by the dualistic mind I particularly love how she talks about this process as being incremental. Enlightenment, quote unquote, does not happen overnight. You don't just wake up one morning and suddenly feel everything is okay. (laughs) It's a process and it involves a range of emotions that change over time. And this insight reminded me that the work is to stay with the process, learning to accept all parts of the experience that surface along the way. So what is something that you tend to go into either or thinking about? All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.